<laughs> Do all of our podcasts have to start with us doing this? It's fine. It's, yes, I need more. It's water. our brand, I guess. <laughs> My brand. <laughs> Yay! Hi, friends. Welcome to Two, Two Queers Walk, Walk Into a Church. church. <laughs> <laughs> We're still working on that. It's okay. We're still babies. We are. Okay. I'm Emily. I am a behavioral therapist technician i also just got a new job i work at a tattoo parlor now so there's that oh my god i didn't know this yeah um after the episode okay (laughs) and i have three fur babies and you are i am dom i am currently a counselor and social work student but i also just got a new job and quit my old job actually so i guess i'm not a counselor anymore and I start my new job in a couple weeks, so when I officially start, I'll share more information with all of you. I'm also a fur daddy. I have a dog and three now cats. Wow. This podcast is brought to the cries of my dog. <laughs> Please disregard those. He's fine. He's overweight. And he's just jealous that his stepbrother gets out to be here. And he is not. Also, if you hear heavy breathing, that's his stepbrother, not me. <laughs> also brought to you by the weird drunk giggles of uh, Courtney and Liam. Liam's not drunk. Just kidding. Just his weird giggles. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney's weird giggles. Yes. Oh, first guest on our podcast. Wow. Oh my gosh. They're so special. Yay. Anyways, so what are we talking about today, Dom? Today, we're going to talk about non-monogamy, and we're going to do kind of a little bit of a overview of what our value, well, I guess our learned values were as children into our early adulthood slash teenage years, growing up in Christian households and having like pretty traditional values that our parents and families taught us and followed. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to do a little interview piece about non-monogamy and kind of talk about our perspectives. Huzzah. All right. I will start because I have the least amount of experience with polyamory. I grew up in a wonderful Christian family. I am the oldest of seven. No, I am not Mormon. And no, I am not Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I just grew up. With the whole Christian shtick of you don't really date, you're just friends. For a really long time. You're just friends with all of your guy friends until magically you both decide, I'm in love with you (laughs) and I want to marry you at the age of 18. (laughs) That's essentially when the, that was the Christian dream. Oh, I was homeschooled too. I don't know if that adds to it. Of course it does. It speaks so many volumes about you. Um, so not only was I Christian, I was homeschooled. And I grew up in, like, the Christianity that I grew up in was pretty conservative. Not as conservative as most, but pretty conservative. Like, decently conservative. Um, I grew up with the fact that you don't date around. You find somebody you're interested in. And then you kind of do, like, this courtship thing where, like, You, like, get to know each other with intention, and then you eventually get married, have lots of babies, you know, live live the American dream of a Christian, etc. And that's about it. Like, I, the first time I ever heard 
or about or became friends with people who were poly was in college. And it was just really funny because growing up as a Christian, I went to college and I went to an art college, but I immediately became friends with all the gays, all the trans people. And two of the trans people were poly. But yeah, so I have a very limited experience with it. I've had friends who are poly. I have not myself been poly. I do not have the inclination to be poly at this point. How about you? I've had some really interesting... Well, let me... Okay, let me start with my upbringing. So I grew up in a really very Christian household, but not extra super religious. We, like, went to church every Sunday, and my parents definitely told us, like, yo don't have sex before marriage kind of thing. But I was also gay. So like my mom didn't really know how to navigate talking to me about that because she didn't want to talk about sex with me. (laughs) So she kind of avoided that conversation, but had that conversation with my sisters a lot more. But I don't think my mom ever actually told me to not have sex before marriage because she was afraid to talk about sex at all with me, I think. Hmm. And now it's, you know, different. But when I was a child, I think she had a hard time with talking about that. So my family is pretty conservative, not like the most conservative that it gets for sure, but they're pretty conservative. Uh, But they're really, really supportive and always have been and they're great. So I grew up in a a Baptist church, which is like when you dance with somebody, you keep room for Jesus in between the two of you. (laughs) And I was always kind of like the weird outcast, I guess, because I was really queer, like even at a super young age, visibly queer, I guess I should say. So yeah, it was pretty much the same experience that you had with church and expectations and whatnot. Most of the people that I grew up with followed those guidelines and got married really young. And some of them even have children now and having sex before marriage shit like holding hands before marriage for some of them was like a no-no i actually know somebody who like kissed his wife on their wedding day for the very first time oh yes (laughs) it's crazy it's so crazy and like good for you if that's what you're into but like i need to know if you're a good kisser yeah i'm gonna like marry you i got in trouble at youth group because i was holding my boyfriend's hand and we were just like, you know, like just holding hands and just kind of like, you know, like doing the thing. We're like, like you twiddle each other's thumbs. thumbs. Yeah. Aww. And it was cute. And then I got pulled aside by the youth pastor or not even the youth pastor, like one of the youth leaders. And they were like, you are living in a world of sin. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. Not like that bad. But they were just like, you know, you're being extremely inappropriate during service. And I'm like, I'm just holding his hand. Like, what? why? Why does it matter? And they're like, it causes him to stumble and also all of the other young men around you to stumble. I was like, I'm holding a person. We've literally done the activities. <laughs> I've, we've literally done, like, group activities where we all have to hold each other's hand in, like, a circle or something It's the same like fucking that. thing. And you know, oh, you know, like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, like, with, like, some of the goyles that you were like, ooh, they're kind of cute. I don't know if you found anybody at church cute. But, like, the thing would be to, like, oh, we're going to play this game where everybody's holding their hand and they're all like, hey! <laughs> like, that's how repressed. Yeah. <laughs> all of the teenagers that I knew growing up in church. 
Like, yeah, like, maybe, like, don't encourage, oh, yeah, totally just go out and have sex. But, like, also, like, be a, an adult about it and be like, okay, if you're going to have sex, just be safe about it. Be yeah. Safe. Like, blah, blah, like, a boy side and girl side. Like, we couldn't even get close enough so to did we. <laughs> so did and we. That, there was, like, no contact. Like, this is more for the school, but it was through the church, so, like, same yeah. thing. But, like, we weren't even allowed to, like, hug boys at school. Like, there was no physical oh contact. Oh, yeah. Gender. The Christian side hug. And you <laughs> oh always had God. to be, like, super obvious about it. And you weren't, like, allowed Hold to the... look at each other. You, had to, like, yeah, you looked away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So we pretty much had, like, very similar experiences. Mm-hmm. And then my experiences with non-monogamy have been a fucking dumpster fire. Mostly because I was a child and I didn't even, like, have language for it. I definitely didn't know how to communicate. It was either me just cheating on everybody that I ever dated <laughs> or or sometimes I was in a position where my partner and I agreed to like sleep with other people or like have, you know, multiple sexual partners together or whatever. But all of them were just not good. And mostly because like we were really, really bad communicators. And you pretty much have to be a good communicator if you're going to be in a non-monogamous relationship because otherwise you can't, like, how do you navigate through all of the things that are going to come up naturally? Like, jealousy is a real thing and, you know, all of those things are very real and there's ways to deal with them and work around them, but they are going to come up because it's just kind of, like, something that happens over time. So, yeah, my experiences were very interesting. I don't practice non-monogamy currently. I consider myself a monogamish person because I really hate I don't know like ownership things like that really bothers me and I really feel like my partner should feel free to do things that they want to do but I also like generally love a lot of discussion before those things happen and I love 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 romance like romance the shit out of me be my friend and romance the shit out of me also feel free to kiss me on the cheek and all that good shit but as far as like having multiple sexual partners at this point in my life is not something that I've gotten to yet. That's pretty much the extent of my experience, too. So since Emily and I don't have a ton of experience with this, we're going to kind of get perspectives from Liam and Courtney, and they can kind of talk about their thought processes or personal experiences if they want to. Yes. Who wants to go first? Liam. Okay, Liam. (laughs) Nobody said anything, so it's going to be the person that's sitting next to me. Come closer, my my sweet. Okay. So we're just going to kind of, like, just start with what has been your, like, foray into the whole polyamory, non-monogamous type thing. Talk about your experiences and then talk about any, like, feelings you happen to feel about polyamory. So as far as background goes, I was raised similarly to both of you, probably more similar to Emily's very Baptist, very, you're not allowed to date till you're 18, and I figured out I was queer before then, so that never really came up, but, so yeah, non-monogamy was not a thing that was, like, an option, nor was being queer, but here we are, (laughs) and I had a lot of kind of similar experiences to what Dom was saying as well, with, I had a lot of relationships where I was monogamous, but probably shouldn't have been, and it was just weird things of, like, oh, this partner's okay with certain things. You're like, this partner really wants an open relationship, but I wasn't okay with it. So we were just kind of in this in-between, not really sure stage. So looking back, I like should have realized this a lot sooner. 
Um, my last serious relationship was with someone who was poly, and I knew that going into it, so that was what kind of opened my mind, because I really liked the person, and I was like, okay, if it's something I'm going into the relationship with the mindset of they're already poly, then I can be okay with it, rather than, like, being in a monogamous situation and then switching it over to being poly, which I had, like, a harder time with dealing with. So, yes, I've been in technically one poly relationship. So what was your first, like, recollection of polyamory? That's a good question. I don't really remember, like, when that would have been. I think it was probably one of those things where, again, it kind of just happened without having a word for it at first. I'm trans, and so something that a lot of trans guys kind of experience, not everybody, but after you go on T, after about, like, eight or so months, some people just are suddenly attracted to men when they weren't before. No reason why, but it just happens. And so that was something that happened to me, but I was in a monogamous relationship with a woman at the time. So it was one of these things where I was just like, okay, like, I don't know what to do, but this is something I need to explore suddenly that I've never had an interest in. So that was kind of the first situation where my partner was like, we were monogamous and we didn't really discuss otherwise, but she was like, no, I'm cool with you, you know, like, experimenting if it comes up or whatever. But we didn't call it non-monogamy or polyamory or anything like that. So that was my first experience with the situation. I do not remember what my first experience with, like, hearing about it was. But as with most things, I'm sure I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Never thought about that, but it's cool. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much how I was with all different queer topics. It was just like, oh, cool, a new thing I didn't know about. Interesting. Courtney. Yes. (laughs) Here, dear. (laughs) Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> what, Turning it over to Courtney. <laughs> what were your experiences or thoughts or feelings about non-monogamy? I didn't know that it was a thing growing up. I did go to church growing up, but it wasn't it wasn't like the essence of my household, mm-hmm. I guess. So like we went to church on Sunday, I went to night church on Wednesday, but it was more recreational feeling than like a way of life. As far as, like, my parents go, they were on and off my whole life, not together, like, together when I was born, not together when I was very young, got married when I was, like, eight or so, and then from there, I just remember, like, my dad having girlfriends, but, like, also being with my mom when it was, like, convenient, but they did not have any agreement upon that, so basically, (laughs) he just cheated on her all the time. That was never anything that I, like, had questions about. I just didn't know it existed, I guess. As far as sexual experiences, my younger experiences with sex were very casual. I dated, I had a first boyfriend when I was like 15, almost 16, and then like an array of firsts in a more like relationship-esque way. I had had partners previously that I didn't consider partners. I thought that people... I thought that everybody, like, did stuff with their friends. I thought that was, like, a thing, and it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I just never was exposed (laughs) to education about sexual things like that. Okay, I have to tell this story because it's related to this. (laughs) One time, Courtney was telling me about how she, like, used to eat out all of her friends in high school. That's not exactly (laughs) what I said. And she was like, I don't know, dude. Like, I guess I just didn't realize I was gay. I just thought that everyone ate out their friends. I didn't say that's not how I, I, I said it. it That's like basically that, okay. what she said. So basically, from, like, 14 on, I always had, like, a friend that... She ate out all of her friends. Friend. <laughs> no, really not even. It was it was more um, 
I, I was actually usually on the receiving end. Oh, they that, ate her out of that <laughs> that young shit. That but, changes things um, so much. <laughs> but I think that like plays a lot into um, my perspective of relationships now because I had such a close friendship with people that I didn't feel necessarily romantic about mm-hmm. at a very young age. So I had feelings like love feelings for people that I was doing sexual things with, but not in a romantic way. Yeah. So like I didn't I didn't want to hold their hand or date them date them or yeah like go on dates be romantic in that way or cuddle and like you know that stuff it was more of just we're close as friends and let's do this now okay mm-hmm. that you know never happened don't tell our other best friend because she'll be mad at us <laughs> um, or like we're at camp I don't want anyone to know because they might kick me out of camp or whatever the fuck it might be. As far as, like, actual polyamory goes, I've always had really casual relationships growing up. Like, I'm talking 15 through 18, 19. I kind of had... Every time I've dated, like, a cis man, they always get really weirded out by me being attracted to women. They get really insecure about it, whatever. So I wouldn't really call it them being open to the idea. It was more of, like, them offering so that I wouldn't go away. Anyway, back to the the young age, like 15 to 17, 18 area. I pretty much was like hooking up with a lot of people, but there was always like one or two people that I would go on like romantic dates with or like go to parties with, which for some reason when you're a teenager is like a thing, like I'm showing up to this party with this person. That means, you know, there's something going on or maybe that was just in my head. I don't know. (laughs) But I always experienced relationships that weren't official in Mm. like a monogamous way or in a I'm not going to give you all of me romantically way either. So it was kind of just natural to me to not catch feelings for people and get too serious about anything because it was more I live my own life and then when we're together, this is it. This is like what we're doing today. And then just not holding a lot of esteem or pressure towards any of the relationships I had with people. So a lot of them, I don't know if this affects anything, but a lot of them met over the internet and then we would engage in real life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally different experience than y'all. But once I started feeling comfortable, like more comfortable with my body and stuff, I definitely used it for stuff. (laughs) (laughs) As you should. Yeah, it was great. I really did think that everybody did all their friends though. I thought it was like an exploration. Yeah. Like, and a lot of the times, like, you know, I didn't really, like, identify as anything because I was a fucking child, but it would be with my quote-unquote straight friends. So I thought at the time it was more of, like, let's learn how to do these things. So when we have sex with the man penis, we know what to do. <laughs> and yeah. But, it, which is odd to think about now because we didn't really do anything <laughs> hetero <laughs> at all. Like, we didn't, you know, we didn't use, like, toys or anything like that. I actually... Okay, do you, you know my friend? Yeah. Okay, so she, I love her, her genesis story into being gay or queer <laughs> or whatever, because she said that she, like, when she was in high school, she would, she had, like, this best friend, and they would always kiss and do things together, and they'd be like, oh my god, I'm just so thankful that God has brought this friend into my life (laughs) where we're just so close and I've just like I've never experienced this type of relationship with a friend (laughs) ever before and I'm like gay (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny oh my god that's my favorite I think 
for me, a part of it was all uh, apparently all of my friends knew that I was gay or queer or whatever before I did. Mm-hmm. And so they were attracted to that. Okay. The same, like, I don't want to say like the same way, but you know how some people who identify as straight are attracted to certain women. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something about my scent. <laughs> Pheromones. <laughs> them. <laughs> Interested in exploring things with me. Not necessarily that they liked girls, but that they were just attracted to me in, in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The explorative they could, they could aspect it. of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've had these thoughts. Have you had these thoughts? Because I can tell, even though you didn't say any. I prepped some questions just to make this a little bit easier on us. Okay. So, in a, in a brief manner, what does non-monogamy mean to you? And by you, I mean all of us. So you start over there since the microphone has yeah, down the line. To you. <laughs> what does non-monogamy mean to me? Yep. Yeah. Non-monogamy to me means having multiple partners, whether they are sexual partners or not, you're having some sort of connection on a regular basis with multiple people. Having more than one person in your life that you consider an important part of it in a romantic or sexual way. Okay. I think... But then you have different... (laughs) (laughs) Is it my turn or no? (laughs) No, there's different... There's different definitions of romance too. So what that's I'm that's what saying, I was gonna say. What's I'm what I'm referring to as romance might be different than what you're referring to as romance yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know you consider some of your because I have very close friendships as well, like cuddle level friendships, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can see how you could describe them as romantic. I wouldn't consider them as romantic in the definition I just gave. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, so I agree with a lot of that. I feel like non-monogamy is pretty much anything that's not... I only have one partner and I only dedicate my romantic self and my sexual self to that specific person. I love intimate friendships. And even sometimes I feel like, in a sense, that is non-monogamous sometimes. In, their, in the traditional sense. I know a lot of people who would think it's super weird if you cuddled and kissed your friends. And I think that's super not weird. But I think that most people traditionally, which probably has a lot to do with the way that I was raised, do think that that is weird and do think that those things are reserved only for whoever your, like, partner is. I think I pretty much just agree with a lot of, like, what you said. Mm-hmm. See, I agree with what you're saying about intimacy, but I don't call that romance. Yeah, I guess romance and intimacy are different. Yeah. But sometimes I view them as the same, and I feel like I experience romance and intimacy with my friends sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like John and I have a really romantic relationship. But part of that, though, is I think that he expresses himself in a different way. In a way, really physical way. In a different way yeah. than a lot of your other friends do. That's true. Where I attest romance as to being like, I want to get to know you in like a very Wrong romantic way. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I think I do have intimate friendships, but I wouldn't necessarily call them romantic. And that's where I, that's why I brought up why we have different. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that all of my intimate friendships are romantic, but I think that sometimes they are. It just depends. Mm -hmm. Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) I I pretty much agree with you. Like any sort of non-monogamy means not just one you're having different experiences with different people whether that is romantic or intimate or sexual you can have 
all of those things. You can have only some of those things. You can have only one of those things. It really, I feel like it's a very personal journey. And I feel like depending on your level of comfortability and the level of comfortability with your partners, like it's just, it's uh, whenever I listen to podcasts about non-monogamy or I hear people talk about non-monogamy, it's always about, what's the word that the dildarks always use? It's always protocol. It's always about protocol. protocol. You establish a dynamic with this person, and that's the dynamic that you have. And based on your personal preferences, you define it how it is. Yeah. But it's essentially those type of things, but with multiple people. It could just be with two. It could be with a ton. I personally have never been in a non-monogamous relationship, so I, I'm just speculating at this point, or I'm talking about things that I have observed, so... Your turn. <laughs> so I think like all those things for me is why I prefer the term non-monogamy because I feel like it's more of an umbrella term yeah. for a lot of different things. Basically what you guys were all saying with like that can encompass polyamory. It can encompass open relationships. It encompasses like relationship anarchy, which is pretty much what you guys were describing with like close friendships, but like not labeling them differently as like romantic relationships, stuff like that. So personally, I stopped even using like the term poly for myself. I just say non-monogamous because that kind of just encompasses all of those things. And it, it's kind of like the term queer where it's like, you know, that could be gender, that could be sexuality. Yeah. You don't have to specify like this specific like, oh, I'm trans or I'm non-binary or whatever. Like it's just this, I'm non-monogamous. And that can mean whatever it means for like each individual relationship. And like at this point, I don't have a preferred brand of non-monogamy. So I just use like... The umbrella term because then it can be whatever it becomes for each situation so i was gonna ask what is everybody's like what do you like about non-monogamy even if you don't necessarily practice it but i feel like that answer sort of bleeds into it so does anybody feel like there's anything that they wanted to add as far as like what aspects of non-monogamy you do enjoy other than what we just so personally for me I just value my autonomy the most and being able to make that decision for myself is what's important to me. I'm not somebody who feels like I need multiple partners to like fulfill my happiness. A lot of people especially poly people do feel that way or they feel like they have too much love to give stuff like that. I don't necessarily feel that way but I don't like the restrictive feeling of monogamy where like even just certain things you do, like we were talking with friends, like if you get too close to a friend in a monogamous relationship, that can be seen as like a threat or as something wrong. So for me, it's just about having the autonomy to make my own choices and that my partner is not going to restrict those choices, whether they be close relationships, whether they be sexual, whether it's just you're out at the bar and you see someone and you really want to kiss them and you can just make that choice for yourself instead of it having to be this like huge discussion between you and a partner. I just don't. I'm not at a point where I want a partner to have that kind of control over me. And I mean, for monogamous people who like agree to that, it can be okay. But um, yeah. yeah. I agree with that because I love kissing people. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know if I would like necessarily like having sex with multiple people unless like maybe I reach that point where I would be okay with that. But I I like the idea of being able to experience intimacy with different types of people. But I also know that there can be a price tag to that type of situation with jealousy or with whatever underlying things that 
people experience when more than one person enters into a relationship. So I don't know. I just like the idea of like being able to experience multiple people, but I'm afraid of the consequences, <laughs> which maybe that's not a, not a healthy way to think about it. But at this point, that's how I feel. Oh yeah, that's real. Go ahead. <clears throat> I feel like pressure's off. I feel like, all right, so I get that you should think about what you're going to do and say before you do it. I'm not used to doing that. So that's why I've always feared monogamy or ran away from it when the, my partner at the time was so into it and it made me turned off, like physically turned off by them for the, the way that they felt about monogamy, it being positive. So I think that I've always idolized non-monogamy for that reason, because it made me feel like my thoughts and feelings were okay, whereas my previous experiences with monogamy made me feel like my thoughts and feelings weren't okay, or jealousy was such an issue with like straight identified partners that I guess I just always idolized non-monogamy because I desired wanting to know what it felt like to not have the other person be so jealous or like so offended by you desiring different things than other people that weren't always necessarily sexual but trying to explain that to someone that already made up their mind is like yeah almost impossible mm -hmm. so and they kind of like turn it back on you like or or they think something's like wrong with them and that you know they can't give you everything you need and then they start you know being themselves about it so yeah. i guess what i like about non-monogamy would be um, avoidance of that. I agree with a lot of that. And I feel like that one of my favorite things about non-monogamy is that you can't meet everybody's needs because you're not a superhuman. And there are going to be things that like your partner wants at times that you might not be able to give them just because it's either outside of something you're willing to do or maybe it's just not like part of your personality to do that specific thing. And I think that's, I don't know, I guess... We expect a lot out of our partners. We sometimes expect them to be able to do everything and understand everything and be able to meet every single one of your needs, which is kind of unrealistic. I don't think that necessarily means that you have to be in a non-monogamous relationship. I think there's other ways around that. However, I do think that, you know, like having friendships and such, but I think that if you want to explore those things with people on a more intimate level, sexually or physically or romantically or whatever, that that is absolutely something that makes sense. And just the whole, like, autonomy and being able to, like, not not in a dismissive way where it's like, well, I don't give a fuck about my partner and I feel like I am I should be able to do whatever I want and disrespect them and whatever. But in the sense that, like, I'm a whole person and, like, I would like to be able to make these decisions without having to check in with someone. I can totally understand why people feel that way and why that's desirable. And then our last question. Nobody else has any other thoughts. What aspects of non-monogamy feel challenging to you? Succeeding. <laughs> <laughs> I guess trying to express the things that you want to need without offending your partner, assume, assuming that you have one or few that aren't used to that type of situation. I think a lot of people are electively single to avoid being in monogamous <laughs> relationships because they're afraid that their needs won't be met so they just avoid it altogether just assuming that everybody wants to be monogamous because that's what they fucking tell you to do <laughs> <laughs> and there's 
obviously a lot of negative connotation, like slut shaming and Mm -hmm. things like that. But that's why I think it's really good that we were talking about how non-monogamy doesn't necessarily mean multiple sexual partners. It could be lots of different things. It's scary to admit to also to people that, especially people that aren't in the queer community, because they assume that you're a freak or like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to do like some crazy like sex shit or like, you know, stuff that they're so unfamiliar with. So the conversation just kind of gets shut down. So being single is usually like a scapegoat for that. But I've noticed that communication is a really good thing. And the more comfortable you feel with your partner, the more comfortable everything else is going to come to you. As far as like communication goes, (laughs) talking is good. Yes. (laughs) Something that I feel like I would have a hard time with for non-monogamy is that I'm very, I I always say I'm of the demisexual variety (laughs) because can I have sex without feeling feelings for you? Sure. I do not prefer that though. I just, I never have. I'm very much of the like, I have to feel romantic feelings for you or at least think that you're like an interesting person or like have a really good conversation a couple times before I'm going to want to have sex with you because like, my dick just doesn't get hard unless <laughs> there's emotion involved. It's like my dick is permanently fueled by emotions. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, we just had a real honest, raw conversation and cried together. Now I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how my body works. So not that that's not possible in non-monogamy, because it absolutely is. It's totally, totally possible. But that would just be something that would like have to be a part of it for me. I wouldn't, I would not necessarily feel satisfied just having multiple sexual partners unless there was also a relationship aspect to it, which for some people is like the opposite of what what they want. And I get that too. But for me, that's kind of what it would have to be, which is challenging because then you're also having like relationships with multiple people, which is just like exhausting naturally. So like, it would be hard. uh, It would be really, really hard. And since that's the way my brain works and I know that I'm not some, like, I just honestly don't get turned on just like, because, like, just because I think somebody's attractive or something. It has to be more than that, which would mean I would have to maintain some kind of relationship with them, which is tiring, to be honest. So I guess that has more to do with my sexuality than it does how I view non-monogamy, but that's kind of how, like, my sexuality would play into non-monogamy being challenging for me. I think I won't talk that long because I feel like I I (laughs) touched on it already, but I just think that unfortunately I've had a brush with a cheating ex. And unfortunately based on those situations, I feel like that will always color how I view relationships and how I view the potential like sharing of partners or sharing of myself. And I really wish that that, didn't affect me at all and that I could like get past that type of thing I just I feel like just based on past relationships and past stuff that it would just be very hard I feel like I could eventually achieve it it would just be a long process I would need I would need a lot of emotional validation Mm -hmm. a lot and I don't know like it I would I feel like I would be too (laughs) I would be too much to be in a in a poly relationship and that if I were ever to be in a poly relationship I would be 
the one that everybody's like, well, we got to go coddle Emily now because, <laughs> you know, whatever. I feel like you would suck more out of, yeah. out of other people. Yeah, I feel – well, because I'm, like, a very emotional person. I – recharge being around people and so if my partner was to be like oh well like I'm going over to my other partner's place tonight or whatever or if I or we're all gonna hang out together I would just be like "Ah, I'm comparing myself to that other person and it's so unhealthy and I know that as I'm saying this but 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 sometimes that's just the way it is yeah yeah Yeah. I feel like in a way that like ties into non-monogamy as like you would need to fill that need with another partner, probably. And that sounds yeah. horrible to say that you would, like, need another person because you don't need it. Yeah. yeah. But in that situation, if your other partner could only give you half as much time as you needed, half obviously being not exactly half or whatever, but, like, yeah. if you weren't feeling fully fulfilled time-wise, you would need another person to fill that time or, like, something else to fill that time with so that you aren't just focusing on being alone and, like, you being somebody who needs to be around people to recharge, like you said, it's almost like non-monogamy would work in that way because more than one partner would offer you like more people yeah. to support you in that way. Yeah. But like on the flip side of that, it would make you more insecure. Yeah. And it would that be like, I feel like that would be like inherently just not healthy. It would that, or could you, or is that just like a, a thing that would just be like, okay, well, like I need a lots of emotional support. So I need, I think if, that's just like a way to get your needs met. Yeah, like ask telling someone what your needs are and asking for them to meet them is not unhealthy. That's not it's unhealthy. like okay. if you're forcing them or making rules or restricting them in some way, that would be unhealthy. But like if you know that you prefer to be around people, then it would just be up to you to like fill that need. Whereas if your other partner couldn't, because if they had multiple partners and they couldn't be with you like as much as you wanted, it would be unhealthy if you told them like, no, I need you here five days a week if they had another partner, like, cause that would be unfair. Right. But for you to know for yourself, like, I prefer to have somebody to come home to after work and cuddle with and whatever, then like, that's up to you to fill it. Yeah. Okay. So like knowing that is like never going to be an unhealthy thing. There would be unhealthy ways to go about that. If you were like, if restricting you were like, your partner, to your partner. Somebody yeah. that was your, per- it would be controlling for you to ask somebody that was your partner to fulfill your needs instead of fulfilling their own. Yes. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. To ask them to hold their needs for their other partners to fulfill yours would be unhealthy and or rude. Yeah. But needing someone most of the time or even constantly would not be considered unhealthy, in my opinion. I think the important part with that is the distinction between asking a partner and understanding that they can say no when you request a need. And because especially in like monogamous situations where people expect their partner to like be the one fulfilling all their needs, when somebody asks for a need, they might not actually be asking. They're more so telling their partner, like, I need this. And then if the partner doesn't fulfill it, they get upset or angry or hurt or whatever. And then they take that out in unhealthy ways. But as long as you understand, like, I'm asking for this need to be met and you can say no to it and that's on me to understand that your answer is no and me to fulfill my own need, then that's when it's a healthy thing. Okay. Like you can say, I would prefer for you to be here like when I get home from work or like I would like to spend time with you, but you can't say like, you have to be here. Yeah. Obviously that's up to them. Yeah. Okay. That makes me feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Like everybody has different needs and I mean, that kind of ties into what my answer to that question was going to be with like, 
we talked about communication being so important, but I think that ties into vulnerability too, Mm -hmm. because it's not just being able to communicate it. It's being vulnerable enough to understand your own needs and understand that like you're in charge of meeting those needs and you can ask partners for the things that would help you fulfill those needs, but it's not on any other one person to fulfill your needs. That's on you. You're the one person who can fulfill your needs. And the vulnerability of understanding your own needs and being able to tell them to a partner, because a lot of times we don't like to talk about those things or we don't even really look into them ourselves and understand them. So communication, yes, but communication with like absolute honesty and vulnerability of like, this is what I need and this is how you can help me fulfill it. And then understanding that their answer might not go how you wanted. And then the other answer I was going to have to that is with the whole jealousy thing, because I feel like that's one of the biggest things that's talked about as a pitfall of non-monogamy. Again, that kind of ties in with understanding that jealousy is a thing that everybody experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem that a lot of couples have, again, specifically monogamous couples, because they don't necessarily think deeper into this, is that jealousy is okay and everybody feels that. But with non-monogamous couples, it's more about not just accepting jealousy as a thing that's happening and like dismissing it, it's about figuring out like source of that problem, which goes back to having your needs met. Emily, like you were saying, if your partner left to go to another partner's house and you really needed to spend time with somebody, you would feel neglected, which would make you feel insecure. And a lot of times people would like act out on that and take it out on their partner of like, oh, you're leaving me when I need you and all this and get upset. Whereas it's okay to understand like, I wish they were here and I'm jealous because they're somewhere else. But instead of like calling your partner all night and crying to them and making them feel bad, you take that upon yourself and understand like, I feel jealous and that's okay. So I'm going to distract myself and go out with a friend or I'm going to seek another partner who can fulfill this need or I'm going to focus on this hobby of mine or whatever that you need to do to like fulfill that instead of just being like, oh, I'm jealous. So I'm going to act out on that. I'm going to focus on that for the rest, you know, for the duration of their absence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are all really good points. I also think it's really hard to realize that because I don't hold on to jealousy for very long. Of course, I'm human. I've felt jealousy. Absolutely. But more recently into like further into my adulthood, I've realized that it's not something that's wrong with everybody else. I just deal with jealousy differently and hold it to less esteem than other people do. And I think that's absolutely like a fear that people have about um, entering non-monogamous relationships because they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm I'm super jealous. And they don't realize that you're going to be experiencing like other and new people too. It's not like you're taking, it's not like your partner's taking something away from you. Yeah. If that's the case, you shouldn't be doing that like at all. I do think that, And that's like what you just said specifically is harder when you're in a monogamous relationship and then you decide to not be in a monogamous relationship anymore. Yeah. Because then you've already kind of like established a hierarchy, like whether you mean to or not. And I think it's hard to like dismantle hierarchies, Mm -hmm. especially if you have like a primary partner and like it's I mean, like obviously it's doable. People do it all the time and it it can be done well and healthily and all of those things. But I do think that adds a little bit of a like challenging component to it because, you know, like if you live together and like do you bring other partners home? Do you you know, like all of those extra conversations have to happen as opposed to if you just start out non monogamous and you're like, Okay, we're both gonna be non monogamous so and this about the pressure thing. Pressure's off. Right. When you enter yes. um, that way. Yes. 
I was just thinking about that too. I missed part of that, so I'm gonna finish off. But I think a big thing is expectations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with like how society just normalizes monogamy, everybody has this expectation of like the relationship escalator of like, you know, you meet, you date, you get married, you have kids like it's this whole thing of like everything goes the same way for everybody. And it's just understanding that those expectations can be totally different. And like you guys were just saying, if you go into things with different expectations, it's kind of easier even just with like time and just stuff like that like if you go into something where it's a monogamous relationship and it's just the two of you you kind of expect a lot of time from your partner you expect a lot of like emotional labor stuff like that whereas if you go into it knowing that the person like already has two other partners then you know like okay I'm only going to have a portion of their time and a portion of their emotions and stuff like that not emotions because they can obviously give you full love and stuff like that it's not a portion of it but just knowing that they're like allocating those resources to other people as well, like sets you up for being more understanding and not expecting as much. Yeah. All right. Does anybody else have any thought on any of these things? I don't know. Try new things. Ask yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. Communicate. Communicate. Okay. Well, in summary, polyamory is another option for people. Jealousy is real. Just the way you deal with it is is varying as long as you understand that it's going to happen and you deal with it in a healthy way and you communicate outside of that, then polyamory will work for you if you are so inclined. Polyamory can mean many things. It can mean sexual. It can mean intimacy. It can mean romantic. It can mean sexual. There's a lot of different brands and we support you. <laughs> however you identify or however you run your life also i would like to add we probably should have said this at the beginning but that's okay that we are just four people with like four varying opinions so like our definitions of polyamory non-monogamy monogamy all of those things are just our definitions and they are not necessarily like standard for everyone that you're going to come across and our experiences are not standard or you know generalized for anyone who is non-monogamous or anyone who is monogamous. Those are just our personal experiences. Yeah, and I will go on record saying I don't know shit about this. <laughs> like, I know what I've heard and this what I've an learned. This based podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. We all just kind of wanted to share our experiences mm-hmm. since none of us are professionals at this point in our lives. I feel like Liam is heading towards professionalism, but working on it. <laughs> okay. It's been real been fun friends it's been real fun so thanks for listening to two queers walk into a church you can uh follow our instagram page at two queers podcast and that one is actually spelled out t-w-o two queers podcast and on twitter it's just the number two queers podcast thanks for listening guys yo 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 later I'm gonna kill these bitches. I know, I told you. That's why I sent it to you. Oh, they're gonna be so annoying if they keep crying like that. Sorry, every good podcast has a cat in the background. That's true. I have you ever listened to a podcast, especially the Dildorks? I love the Dildorks! And then all of a sudden in the back room, Bex is like, 
Can you fucking stop it? God damn it. Just, <laughs> my cat just knocked over my bong. There's bong water all over my foot. Yes. My favorite. Yes, it's my favorite. Hello, friends. Hey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why do I always? I hate this. Why do I always do this? I'm like, oh, we gotta do the intro thing, and it's so scary. Okay. Who am I? Okay, we have it on the non-echo part, right? We should check it. Okay, just in case. Okay.